Hey, thanks for tuning into my podcast. This is Big Head on the Block, hosted by me, Tim Henderson, aka Big Head. Hey, welcome back to Big Head on the Block. I appreciate all my listeners. This is how much I appreciate y'all. I'm going to do what's called a bonus story. So in conjunction with my normal podcast, what I'm going to do is release a bonus story. And I'm going to try to do it once a week. It's going to be stories and encounters that I've had that I have personally experienced over the course of my 32-year career. It's going to be entertaining. That's all it is. Like Maximus Decimus Meridius said in Gladiator, are you not entertained? So at the end of my podcast, I'm going to ask you, are you not entertained? So to kick off this first bonus episode, we're going to talk about a wild pursuit that I had. And it happened in May of 2017. So now let me set the stage for you. I'm driving home after a long, hard day. Maybe it was easy day. I don't really remember. I do remember that it was a bright, sunny day. And I do remember that I was kind of chilling on the way home. Now, I have my windows down, and when I patrol, I typically always have my windows down. And the reason is this. When you're a street cop, it's important that you have one with your environment. You have the, the windows down, then you can feel the streets. You can feel the tension on the street. You can feel and hear everything that's going on. When you have your windows up, it's like you're isolated. So young cops out there, ride with your windows down. At least have them crack. You can hear things that you won't be able to hear and feel things that you can't feel whenever your windows are up. So back to the story. I'm in the center lane, windows down, minding my own business, chilling for real. And cars are passing me on each side. I'm not one of them cops that care. I don't. I really don't care who passes me unless you're doing it in a disrespectful way. You know, I'm doing the speed limit. If you're doing a little bit faster, that's cool with me. Um, but don't get on side of me and rev your engine and, you know, challenge me because then I'm going to come after you. But that wasn't the case this day. Because my windows were down, I hear a lady hollering at, at me or toward me. And I look to my left and what I see is a female kind of hanging out the window hollering. And she said, that's my stolen car up there. And I said, which one? And she pointed to it. I think it was a uh, a blue car, but I'm, I can't quite remember. And she said that she reported it stolen. And I said, you own the car? Yes. You reported it stolen to the police? Yes. Now, the reason I got to verify this is because although the world's filled with good intention, a lot of people tell cops they reported stuff stolen. They have not. We try to take some action. And find out it wasn't their car. They hadn't reported stolen. It belonged to their grandma or their cousin or their uncle. So these are legitimate questions. And an experienced officer is going to answer that before he jumps in to uh, engage in what's probably going to be a pursuit. So once she verifies this to me, I still have to verify it because sometimes people don't always tell you the truth. So I get behind the vehicle. I notify headquarters. Headquarters. I'm behind a vehicle. A lady pulled up on side of me and said it was reported stolen through BRPD. Now, normally you have to switch to an alternate frequency, but the reason I put it out on dispatch is because I knew one of the uniform patrol officers that were riding second district frequency would hear 
and they would tell me whether the car was stolen or not because they can type it up on their computer. And it saved me probably about a minute and a half to three minutes waiting for CIU to give me a response. So within about 15 seconds, an officer came on and said, hey, the car is reported stolen through our agency, which is BRPD, Baton Rouge City Police, for those who are listening from a different area of the country. Now, game time. This is not every cop's dream, but you know you're fixing to engage in a pursuit, and it gets the blood boiling, the juices flowing, right? So I've been in hundreds and hundreds of pursuits, literally, and everyone is unique, and everyone has the potential to be very dangerous. As you know, my father was killed in a police pursuit, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts. So there's a lot for me at this point in time to consider. And this goes for every officer that engages in a pursuit. The car realizes that I'm behind them. So like I said, game time, lights and sirens. Woo, woo, woo. I'm on that trail now. They floor it. I'm in a Dodge Charger. I got a Hemi. We used to get out run a lot, but when we got them Chargers, it evened the playing field. You ain't going to outrun a Charger, and whenever you starting and stopping, we can keep up and catch up. So now I have a tactical advantage with the unit that I'm driving. They exit Blue Bonnet off of I-10, and they start heading in a direction that's mostly industrial type stuff, you know, businesses and stuff. There's not a whole lot of neighborhoods where they get off of the uh, interstate. So as I'm chasing them, I'm giving my directions and I'm telling officers where I'm at because I'm going to need backup. Unfortunately, I'm built for power, not speed. Ain't no chance I'm going to catch any of these people in this car, right? So I tell them, there's two black males in the front seat, two black females in the back seat. This is what I believe from what I can see from behind. I tell them my direction to travel, and I ask if anybody's close. There's probably two or three units, but the closest one's probably 30 seconds behind me. And 30 seconds is a lot because that's catch-up time. You know, they have to fight their way through evening or afternoon traffic in order to get to me. So there's no telling how long it'll actually take for me to get help. But it's important that help comes because I need to focus all my attention on at least catching this driver because that's the one that you definitely can charge, whether you can charge the rest of them or not. So I'm continuing as we approach Blue Bonnet and Burbank. They go. We have a red light. He kind of slows down in the intersection. So he's really not driving erratically. He's not really putting people in harm's way. There was never almost any collisions or anything. So I'm still feeling good about continuing the pursuit. But his next course of action kind of derails that. He goes into the opposing lane of traffic, and it's two lanes each way. He's in the opposing lane of traffic now. I stay in the normal lane of traffic that we're supposed to be in, and I tell headquarters, headquarters, I'm disengaging the pursuit. Now, a young cop, even when I was young, I might have stayed behind him, but at this point in time, I have enough knowledge, wisdom, and experience to understand if I keep pressing him, he is going to do something stupid. And the way this road curves, people will be on him and not really realize that they're that he's in front of them, and they'll have to react. 
and he'll have to react. And, you know, you don't want to force somebody into a collision. You know, he chose to do what he did. And when he did uh, go into the opposing lane of traffic, that solidified the fact that he had con- committed aggravated flight from an officer. There's five different things, and they have to violate two of the five stipulations. And he's already done that now that he's crossing to the opposing lane of traffic. So the driver is now wanted for possession of a stolen vehicle and aggravated flight from an officer. The passenger's charges are still to be determined. As I tell headquarters, I'm disengaging the pursuit. I'm watching him now. It's a residential area now. So there's a lot of medians and trees and stuff, and he can't cross back over into the right lane of travel, uh, right lane of travel that he's supposed to be in uh, anywhere he wants because there's only turning lanes to come out of these neighborhoods. But he eventually gets to a point where he crosses back, thank goodness, into my lane, and I re-engage in the pursuit. Now, I'm giving updates on where I'm at the whole time, and I'm in an area that I'm not really familiar with, so I have to continue to look at all the street signs. I'm passing Street A, Street B, Street C. All I know is I'm on Blue Bonnet and these other streets I'm totally unfamiliar with. Now, the reason I tell you that is because whenever you're in a different jurisdiction, you have to make sure you pay attention to your surroundings and to the streets because you don't want to get involved to the point where you're so focused on trying to catch them and keep up with them that you don't know where you're at. And when I was a young cop, I literally got lost in the area and it took them several minutes to find me because I didn't keep up with the street signs. So years later, I learned my lesson, never let it happen again. Headquarters, I'm on such and such street. We turn into a neighborhood now. This presents a different set of challenges for me because I don't know anything about this neighborhood and I'm having to look at the street signs and they're not always readily available. So when he makes a, a turn into the neighborhood, he accelerates. We get to an area. I had lost him just briefly in a curve and he can go right or left. It appeared that if he went left, it would bring you to a dead end. So I took a chance and went right. I knew my closest backup now was probably about 15, 20 seconds away. So I knew if I went right, I had a better chance of continuing the pursuit or to keep him in sight. Well, he, the uh, offender went left. The officer who was behind me went left. I turned around and went back. As I was pulling back up, they hit a cul-de-sac, a dead end, and two black males bailed out the front, two black females bailed out the back. The two females went one way and the two males went another way. The officer who was there to back me up was able to see the driver, get a clothing description, and as I'm pulling up, he told me which way they ran. So we got about 20, 25 officers responding to the area. Eventually, the two black females just walked very casually up toward Blue Bonnet, and they were picked up. I think both of them were in scrubs. I don't really know what they were doing, but, you know, we detained them at that point, or whoever the officer was detained them at that point. We had two black males in this area it was pretty affluent area you know really nice houses uh manicured you know really nice area so we we got concerns now that we got two unknown offenders loose in the neighborhood and we don't know what they're capable of 
So it was important, and we moved with urgency, and we split up. Like I said, we had about 25 people. We split up in different directions, and within a short course of time, we were able to locate the passenger, and then eventually we were able to find the driver maybe a couple of minutes later. And, you know, it's important that you find them quick because you don't want to break it into people's houses. You don't want them shooting at somebody, taking somebody hostage. It's unknown. It's a fluid situation, and you don't know how desperate they are to get away. So it was a relief to get both of them in custody. And at that point in time, we secured the driver and questioned him. He was given his rights per Miranda, and y'all hear him on TV. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present with you during question if you so desire. If you cannot afford to hire an attorney, won't be appointed to represent you at no charge. At any time, you can exercise your rights, stop answering questions, or make statements. Bam. Now, the driver tells me that he picked up the two girls. So, we could have charged the females being in a stolen vehicle. However, you don't want to. You got to use discretion. You got to use common sense. The two females were picked up. They really had no idea these knuckleheads was driving around in a stolen car. So we're not going to do something to negatively impact their life. We identified them for report purposes and uh, we found rides home for them. I don't remember if we charged a passenger, but we definitely put the driver in jail for aggravated flight and possession of stolen vehicle. So guess what? We got a victim who shows up at the scene. The news shows up at the scene. What you fixing to hear is her talking to the news media. It's unspeakable. I mean, especially when you're a mother that works hard for what you want. I work hard. I have children. I've been there. You know, I work. I carpool my children. None of them ride school buses. I work. And that took something from me. While traveling along I-10 Thursday, what was taken from her was soon to come back. We instantly started following her when we saw this officer, Henderson, and he came, we flagged him down, he got on it. And with the help of Sergeant Henderson, her car is now back in the right hands. What a glorious day it is. And a blessing. And a blessing. And I give it all to God and Mr. Henderson. Paige Vaughn, Local 33 News. Hope you enjoyed this bonus story and know one thing, cops work 24-7, always willing, always ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Big Head on the Block. I'm Tim Henderson, the host. I look forward to dropping another podcast soon. Please give us any comments, likes, dislikes, or any topics y'all would like to discuss. Thank you.